Hi everybody, thanks for tuning in. Today I'm very, very happy to talk to you about a man whom I have known for many, many years. His name is Tom Weschler. While you might not know that name, you might be interested to know that he's been around rock and roll for years. Not as a musician, mind you, but as a road manager for Bob Seger for five years, being around all the stars, the rock and rollers, and photographing them and also a promoter of the stars. He's done everything rock and roll. So this is a little different for us because we haven't really delved into that idiom of music. But you will be fascinated, I'm sure. Tom, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. And I'm going to ask some uh, questions. Of course, the obvious one would be, uh, how did you get started? as a photographer. In... That's an easy one. Okay, go ahead. In 1956, my mom let me borrow her brownie Hawkeye camera. Mm -hmm. And I went out into the neighborhood and I found Susie Price, the girl across the street. Real cute. I was seven and she was the same age. And I put her in a place though the sun was making her blonde hair glow. And I shot that picture, and I took a bunch of other pictures around the neighborhood. And my brother, who was 12 years older than me, offered to take the film up to the drugstore, where we had to go to the drugstore and get it, mm -hmm. you know, then hide overnight, Kelms picks it up. And I couldn't wait. I was anxious, you know, I wanted to see that. And the next day, the photos came back, and <laughs> I still have the, the one of Susie. It's great. I was really happy with it. And I thought, wow, this is fun. And then I just kept shooting pictures. I went to like motorcycle races with my brother being older than me. He would take me to stuff like, and my sister too. They took me to rock and roll shows, you know, when the bands were playing on a flatbed truck. Mm -hmm. And I took pictures and, and I, I just had a riot taking pictures. That was in the 50s. In the early 60s, the, actually the day President Kennedy was shot, we moved from Allen Park, which had been my home my whole life, I was 14 when we moved, um, to Rochester, which was at that time farm country. Hmm. I told my parents, I ain't moving, I'm staying here, man. I'm moving in Freddie's garage, my next door neighbor's garage. Mm -hmm. And my parents go, no, no. I said, look, look, we can cut a deal. I want a TV in my room and blue shag carpeting. We cut the deal and I moved, as if I wouldn't. You know, yeah. <laughs> but it was it was good making a deal and I, and getting that stuff because that TV came in real handy. Yeah, but in this idiom of uh, rock and roll, how would you get there from everything that you I'll tell done you, as a young person? It, it started with the Beatles. The word was that Ed Sullivan was going to have the Beatles on his television program. Mm -hmm. So that was February nine. 1964 and I thought okay I'm gonna take pictures of my television with the Beatles on it mm -hmm. and I did mm -hmm. took a whole bunch of them at that time I was already developing my own film so I didn't have to wait for the drugstore I went in the bat into my bathroom which was my dark room too and <laughs> developed it and printed about 20 little small little prints taped them in my notebook now I was a sophomore at the time. Mm -hmm. And I got on the bus on Monday morning, the next morning, with my notebook, 
in my other school books, and I sat next to the best-looking senior girl I could find. There you go. And she looked at me like I was tripping, you know, <laughs> like, uh, what are you doing here? You know, that kind of look, because I'm a sophomore, and as far as I know, even now, uh, senior girls don't get it, give any shrift to sophomore guys. Right. So I said, like the happy little kid I was, I said, did you see the Beatles last night? And she goes, yes, didn't everyone? I said, you want to see them again, baby? And I opened my book, <laughs> and she, she literally gasped. Hmm. She was like, oh my God. This is pre-VCR, 1964. You know, you don't see the Beatles again until Ed Sullivan says you're going to see him again. Right. And she looked at those pictures. She said, "Can I borrow this?" And I went, "Uh, yeah, sure." She goes, "I'll give it back to you at lunch." I said, "Okay." So I got to the lunchroom, and she was sitting at the end of the lunch table. The rest of the table was all sophomores. Mm -hmm. And she was at the end, and some of the guys that I had met, which I didn't really know that well, but I met them, and they're like, "Hey, what are you playing at, man? There's a senior girl waiting for you at the end of the table." I went, "Oh yeah," <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. thinking I was a big shot. So I get down there, and I sit down right across from her, and she slides thirty-nine bucks across the table in half dollars, quarters, and singles. I said, "What's this money for?" She goes, "Well, you do have the negatives for these, don't you?" I went, "Yeah." She handed me a legal pad. She said, print this list with all the people that wanted pictures. They'd already, she made them pay for them in front, wow. which was great. So uh, that's how I got started in, in, the, in the music business. I started managing a band in Rochester, We Who Are. <laughs> we Who Are. Yeah, and got into that. I, uh, the way I... I got to Seeger was through Punch. I went... Punch uh, Andrews. Punch who, Andrews, Bob Seeger's manager. manager. He's man. been his manager since 1964. I know, a long and time. And he still is. So I get down to the hideout, right? You just bring your band here next Friday and open for the Mushrooms, Glenn Fry's band. Okay. The Mushrooms was right. Glenn Fry's yeah, band. Right. I, I said, okay, great. Happy as a lark, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that worked out good. And then I, I been, you know, I met him again a few times, and he, he had a road manager for Seeger who went to high school with me. That I didn't even know this guy was a road manager. His name was Richard Kreitzkamp. Hmm. Crinkle is his nickname because nobody could pronounce Kreitzkamp properly. <laughs> so. Crinkle called me and he said, hey, listen, I need some help. One of my boys is sick, man. Can you come down to the UOD to, uh, to Callahan Hall and fill in for him? I'm, I'm bringing Seeger in there tomorrow night. I went, yeah, sure. So I did. I met all the guys in the band and I already knew who they were because I'd seen them a hundred times at the hideouts. But um, two months later, he got sick, Crinkle did. And mm -hmm. Punch called me and said, you're the new road manager. Yeah, but how would that happen? All of a sudden, you're investing, he's investing in you to do this. He knew me because of, he came to the shows, the local shows, and he knew I knew what I was doing. And Crinkle had hepatitis, so he couldn't come back. Mm -hmm. So Punch said, you're, you're going to be the road manager. The band likes you, and I like you. I said, great, how much are you going to pay me? He said, oh, you get 150 a week. I went, oh. Okay. <laughs> I this said, is what year? What, what? 1969. Okay. 
I said, "What do you? How much do you pay the other guys? I got to have two roadies with me still." Yeah. He goes, "I don't care how much you pay them. Comes out of yours." <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> I was about to go like that, and I said, "Okay." I figured it out and got it worked out, and I talked two of my friends into being roadies with me. Mm-hmm. The other guys wanted to leave because they didn't think I was capable. Because Crinkle was like a real good electrician and stuff. Little did they know that I worked at Artist Music for four years, so I knew what I was doing. Right. I set up equipment for the Doors and for Jimi Hendrix and uh, the Yardbirds. Wow. Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Can you believe that? Oh my gosh. Yep. But with Bob, there had to be some kind of a an alliance with him where he would trust you. Yeah, he started trusting me right out of the box because I sold him my Firebird. <laughs> My Gibson Firebird. <laughs> right. And I gave him a great deal. And he liked that. And then on Saturdays, when we'd be on the road, this is how we got more together. We'd be on the road, and on Saturday mornings, we'd be at some hotel, and we, he and I would watch movie like Rita Bell or whatever was on at the time. We got the biggest kick out of old movies, old black and white movies. Mm. And so we started becoming friends. I worked for him for as road manager for five years, and then I stopped being road manager because he's starting to get big, and I am not an accountant. <laughs> I have a hard time adding and subtracting, so I decided that we should get another guy to be road manager that knew what he was doing and was an accountant, and that was Bill Blackwell. Oh, sure. But he had another year to go in school, so they I stuck in high school or college? In, no college. in college. He was at Michigan State. Okay. We had another year to wait, so this other this British guy named um, Brian, he he came. Brian Chubb was his name. He came along, and I helped him out, and I stuck around the office and helped him. I did some album cover work for them, even into the seventies. Right. And uh, like I did the live bullet covers. Mm-hmm. Oh, from the live album. Wow. And, you know, we've been friends and we're still friends. Yeah. He took out, took me out on my birthday two years ago. Hmm. <laughs> he said yeah. he's not going to play anymore. <laughs> not, uh, I'm done. All I did is look at him. But... And, and he goes, don't start. You look like Punch when you do that. <laughs> oh, okay. You had have known what his sensitivities, his, his ways, his demeanors, uh, Had to, his up right. times, his down times. You probably saw all that, right? I did. I was aware of it. I, hell, I drove the car while he sat there writing songs right next to me. Wow. I mean, that, that, he, he wrote songs all the time. That's mm-hmm. what he was doing most of the time. One day, just a funny anecdote, if you will. I, we were going to be playing in Kalamazoo. Mm-hmm. And so Bob came to the office. He goes, hey, Wes, let's take your car. You got a cassette player? I went, yeah, sure. So we got in my car, and he put in a cassette that he had just recorded with it, just, you know, his, himself and his guitar. Right. And the song was Stranger in Town. That was mm-hmm. the name of the song. Mm-hmm. Stranger in Town. Stranger in Town. After four blocks of that, I said, why is he in town? He goes, I don't know. I'm not done with the song yet. 
<laughs> that's me and him. That's that's right. how we were. <laughs> right. Wow. Uh, I mean, yeah. There there had to be those intimate moments with him uh, to understand what was going through his mind. But at the same time, did you see him? I mean, he seems, and he's been here at our studios. Uh, and he seems like such an affable guy and easy to get along yeah, with. Yeah, I, I came over here with him. You were you yeah. were here with him, right? Did, but with that, uh, was there any friction of any sort uh, that you noticed with him? Because he seems so easygoing. No, I, Bob and I have never had an animadvertition mm -hmm. at all. We're we're friends. Yeah, I'm a friend of his, and he's a friend of mine. I, 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 he can call me anytime, and I can call him anytime. Last, the last text I got from him was congratulating me on my kid's wedding down in South Carolina. I sent him a picture of me with a tux on, and, oh. and he wrote, never mind what he wrote back. Yeah, but yeah we, you know, yeah. Yeah. So He's a great guy. He is a wonderful guy. So interesting. But then, so that five years as road manager. Yes. After that. You decided to move on from there. I started taking pictures for the promotion guys in record in the record business, like you might remember Ronnie Counts and Craig Lambert, right? And uh, Mike Diamond, um, mm -hmm. all, all the all the other guys, Jack Ashton. I worked for all of those guys with mm -hmm. all of their stars that came into town, right? And so I got to meet all these great rock and roll stars again. You know, this mm -hmm. was in the '60s. I met. What I consider the real big guys, Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton, you know, all those people. But then later on came all like Pat Benatar and uh, Kenny Rogers in the 70s and 80s. And I took pictures all the way through that. But from one star to the next, somebody must have said, you need to talk to Weschler because this guy really takes good photos. I mean, how does that happen? The word spreads. People know that, first of all, when you're taking pictures of rock stars, or or um, movie people, and, and I've done several of those as well. But you, you you can't have the oh wow effect. What does that mean? Oh my God, it's really you. Oh. You, know, you, you, you can't do that. You right. gotta just treat them. They're just normal people, you know. Right. And and they expect to be treated that way. And uh, and I'm not a watch the birdie photographer. I don't say okay, look over here or look over here. I just go. And I point to the lens, and they all know what I mean. And I shoot the picture, and we're done. It's all candid. I was told by George Clinton that I was the fastest photographer in the world. Mm. Okay, and I said thank you. That's that's cool. But mostly black and white. From what I'm looking at, some of these photos. Most of my stuff is black and white, but most of it's from way back. Well, they had color. Oh yeah, but like I told you before, early on. I was always wanting to see the results now. Oh. And the only way to do that, even today, is you got to develop, develop them yourself. Okay. Well, you, you can now today's digital, but before that came in, um, I, I would run, I, let's say I was down doing a gig for you at the, at the church or something, and, right. and you had a band and I shot the pictures. I had to go after right home. I couldn't do anything else, no stopping to eat right home into the dark room make sure it's right you pull that film out and then hang it up to dry and, and then you go have a beer 
Which brings a question, did you ever have to say to some of these guys, listen, uh, I didn't get it quite right, can I come back and do something? No, you never had do to that. do that. That wouldn't happen. I, I, I don't know what that, I don't know what that feeling is. <laughs> right. I can't stand things like that. Yeah. So with, you've done Springsteen? Yeah. You've done uh, Knopfler? You've done Eurythmics, Jeff Beck, Joe Cocker, Kiss, Led Zeppelin, the list goes on, and it's amazing to me that you were able to get in and photograph all these people. I, I photographed them all, and it was because of my connection with their label, their record label. 90% of it was that way. But they weren't all on the same label. I no, mean, there's no, I there's different for, labels. Right? I worked for Chrysalis, CBS, Arista, Capital, Atlantic, Electra, you name it, I did work for him. Chrysalis Records, all the, all the labels. Mm -hmm. Tell you about Joe Cocker. You mentioned Joe Cocker. Right. He was playing in Armada, Michigan. And Seeger called me and he said, this was like in 77 or 78. And Seeger called me and said, hey, listen, man, Joe Cocker's playing out by, by your parents' house. You want to go out with me and see him? I said, hell yes, of course. Mm -hmm. So we drove on out to Armada, Michigan. He was playing in a tent at this, the whatever county that is, State Fair. Right. I got some really good shots of him there. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised. He, and he sang really Different. <laughs> he yeah. was very different. His his mannerisms. Yeah, uh, with yeah. His hands like, yeah. Yeah. He was all shaking. Right. Anyway, so that was a, a fun thing. Same thing happened with Tom Petty. Bob again. He called me up. He said, "Let's go down and see Tom Petty." And I said, "Okay." So we went down. And went in the back. We didn't. Th that's another thing. I didn't have to worry about access because all the like the union guys all knew me and. You know, they just let me in to take pictures if I wanted, if I wasn't working for a label or right. something. Anyway, Bob and I walked in and went in the dressing room and got a picture of Tom Petty and Bob arm and arm. I like doing that. That's fun. But you had to have a one-way street right into whomever, whomever's camp you were going into with Seeger would have to be a oh, big yeah. plus for you to get in, right? Would they say, hey, that's Bob Seeger and, and Tom Weschler? They, they so, wouldn't say the second part they just say oh there's Bob Seger <laughs> and they'd let him in and I'd go in with them yeah yeah it, it it wasn't like a starstruck thing for me it was just like fun mm -hmm. you know I mean if you if you like I said before if you treat the people like they're you know they're super big time and you go oh my god I I, I really love your latest release. I never said that to anybody except Jeff Beck. I told him, I said, man, you're the best guitar player i ever seen. And I seen Jimi Hendrix. And he yeah. goes, right. <laughs> that was about it. But With Seeger, you still have a relationship with him. Yep. And that goes on and continues on. What are you doing these days now? Um, right now, I'm selling some of my photographs WCSX is going to have a special on featuring some of my photographs and I have a, a gallery now in Birmingham the kid Robert Kidd gallery where they they have my photos we we just drove over there and gave them a big huge 
30 by 20 by 30 uh, picture of Bob Seger and Bruce Springsteen, arm in arm. He's going to put that in his front window. So that that's what, what I'm doing now. Plus, we're working on a film hmm. that's loosely based on my book, but mostly it's a story about being on the road, and it's not like almost famous, although it's there are parallels, but hmm. it's a little different than that. Talk to us about the book, Traveling Man. Traveling Man. Uh, so that's with you and Gary Graff. Yeah, Gary and I wrote it. And how do you meet Gary? Then? Oh, I've known him for years. He he came into to the office, Punch's office, to interview Bob back in 1980, and I happened to be there, and I met him there. Mm-hmm. And then um, I saw him around at shows and stuff. And one day I had a in 2002. This is the catalyst. I had a show at the Clatt Gallery in Birmingham, which was sponsored by WCSX. Mm-hmm. They, it was their idea, 97 shots of 97 rock stars, okay? That was the theme. Mm-hmm. And we had really good sponsors for it. Uh, Benjamin Moore Paints, Local 58 Union, Mm-hmm. Electricians Union mm-hmm. and General Motors. <laughs> it well, was great. Nice company. Um, yeah. So the the show was really cool. I I had I printed all the prints myself, and Russ F- Russ Clatt framed them all real nice, and we had them all in the gallery. Mm-hmm. And Gary came in. And I wrote the captions for all of them. And Gary came in and he's looking. I said, Hey, what's going on? He said, So what? What do you think of the show? He goes, Man, this is great. These are really this is good, man. I said, What about the captions? Need work. <laughs> That's what he said. Yeah. And so, I, he said, You should do a book. I said, Okay. So we met at my house, and started going through all my proof sheets and stuff. And every time a picture. Oh, Bob would come up, or or the band, or Silver Bullet Band, or or the the, uh, the system, or any of the old pictures. He, I'd tell him a little story about it, mm-hmm. and he's going, you know what? Forget this, all the photography. You do that later. Let's do a book on Seeger with the, the pictures of Seeger. And I said, okay. Uh, what do you mean? He goes, well, Seeger doesn't have any books about him. I went, are you kidding me? He sells 50 million records and there's no books on him? Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> so right. we did. Very good. And he had a connection at Wayne State, the publisher, Wayne State University Press. Press. We went down there and we showed them what we had in mind and they said, absolutely, we're doing it. And so we started working on it. And that came out when, Traveling uh, That came out in 2009, October 15th, 2009. Mm-hmm. And I know that you've been selling books a long They're away. still selling. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. I did a thing on PBS recently for their uh, fundraiser. Mm-hmm. And Fred Nahat, I don't know if you know him, yeah. Fred interviewed me about my pictures and he showed them on the screen. And I got a call two weeks later from Teresa down at Wayne State. She said, hey, you know, we sold another 250 books this summer. <laughs> I went, wow, my book hasn't been a big seller. for. We sold 20,000 copies out of the That's box. That's pretty sizable. Though. Yeah, but then it, it was just a few. But then all of a sudden back up to 250 in one summer. That was pretty yeah, good. That's, that's great. Yeah. We had a good time, me and Gary, writing that book. We wrote it at his house. 
on Sunday afternoons watching football. <laughs> the whole, not the whole book. The whole book. The whole book. Yeah. I told him the stories. He could type 300 words a second. <laughs> this guy is fast. Wow. And he'd, he'd type, the, you know, okay, a minute. Anyway, he'd <laughs> type them real fast, and, and, and then he'd send them to me. And I'd tell him, like I'm telling you, I use the same vernacular like mm -hmm. I am now. And he, he'd type it, and he'd send it to me. And after three or four of those, I'd call him. i said, Gary, do you have Word? He goes, yeah. I said, okay. But you wrote exactly what I told you with ain't and shit and what the hell and all that. He goes, yeah, I don't want to screw it up with, you know, high-minded intellectual banter. And I went, okay, yeah, don't put no high-minded intellectual banter up in there. And, and so he says that he wanted it to be in my words. Now, he's got a section. In the book that's his that he wrote for you know which is nice it's, it's three or four pages but gary was indispensable he called up john cougar mellencamp and he said hey what's was putting out a book man about seeger within a half an hour we got an email from mellencamp mm -hmm. with the 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 caption that's in the book the forward to the book right yeah and then he did the same with rock he called rock and and, and he sent us a day later, he sent us a whole t page thing about for the afterword in the book. Interesting. Kid Rock and Mellencamp. I'm going to start taking pictures. I'm going to go up north and take pictures of Michigan. Oh, okay. I'm, there's going to be another book coming with my older pictures and some of my newer pictures and a few of Bob in it that yeah. haven't been published yet. Right. That's going to be called In the Blink of an Eye. If I were to ask, let's go back while growing up, your parents are noticing that you're interested in photography. Yes. Are they saying anything to you? Uh, like, Tom, uh, don't do that. Or Tom, that's great. Or are they encouraging? Or are they dissuading? <laughs> let's go back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. My, right. uh, my father and mother were very encouraging they That's great. they let me have they took me out of my bathroom i have my own bathroom in this new house my dad got promoted at fords that's why we moved it was like a big life change anyway so I, they gave me half the basement for a dark room mm. said yeah go ahead you know use the sink and do all that so um yeah, they were very encouraging that's great yeah, si do you have siblings? That yeah, my brother and sister. They're ten and twelve years older than me. They're my brother passed away. Um, he was married to Rosie Andonian. Yeah, another Armenian. Yes, and my sister is her eighty second, eighty fourth birthday was two days ago, and I called her, mm -hmm. and she goes, "Wow, kid, you actually remembered my birthday." Mm. She used to tell me I didn't swear properly. <laughs> after I moved out of Wayne County into Oakland County. Oh, boy, yeah. So I won't tell you what I said to her. But <laughs> the, we talked for an hour and a half about music. They raised me in the music business. Really? They raised me on the blues because I was born before rock and roll, way before. Yeah. So what would you tell? Uh, this is a, such a trivial question because <laughs> this has been asked many, many times, but... What would you tell a budding photographer who wants to do exactly what you did? Is it about what kinds of pictures? Is it about their personality? 
Is it about how they integrate with other personalities of stardom? To do how exactly this, what I it, did yeah. is impossible now because there are no more promotion men going out with record stars to different... They don't do that anymore. Why, why is that? I don't know. Pro because, because of independent promotion guys, I guess. Mm -hmm. they, they're just... It's, it's not the same at all. Right. Like most of my friends that were promotion men are still in the business, but in management or booking concerts or stuff like that. It's, yeah, there's no place like that to do that, but there's still the concerts. So whoever wants to be in a photography world, get in to the shows, go to the shows, go up front and shoot your pictures. Make sure you get good, good images. You don't need pictures of things that aren't appropriate. But isn't that a little intimidating to walk in with a camera and you're going to shoot somebody? Well, you got to get permission. The so way, how do you, what do you the do? The way you do that is you get in with the promoter. You get to know him. I guess you got to become a promotion man nowadays. Mm -hmm. I know there's, there's a couple of photographers out there that still do it all the time. Here's a tip. If you want to go to a show and you don't have a ticket and you don't have a photo pass, go at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon and meet the roadies. Talk to them. Tell them what you want to do. Show them what you've already done if you have some kind of work that you can show them photography. They'll feel important enough to give you a pass. Then you can go right in and shoot. But they, yeah, with pass, they're giving you passage still. Would that be intimidating because then you have to confront the artist, uh, is that like... No, you don't uh, have would to. The artist, the say, artist hey, on stage. You, you ain't going in the dressing room okay. until, until you get to know all these people. Then you can do that. Right. You have to build it up. Yeah. You have been a photographer. Yes. You, you've been a road manager. Yes. You've also been, uh, as, as you had done for me, some promotion. I did. I don't know how much promotion outside of myself, but I'm sure there's a, a I, far more vast... When I was on the road... You got to remember who I worked for, Punch Andrews. Mm -hmm. You don't just do your one job for Punch. I had a box full of records, and I, after we got the equipment set up, I had to go to whatever radio station was local and, you know, give them product. And I had to carry cleans with me. You know what that is? Yeah. Records that don't have a hole for yeah. promotion only. Right. And take them to the record stores. Right. So I, I was gifted at promotion. The gift was given to me by Punch. And speaking of Punch, which is a, a long story, of course, because uh, he's had as varied career uh, with uh, Bob, Tom Leschler, Mr. Rock and Roll Photographer, Promoter, Road Manager. It's been such a pleasure to have you here. And Thank to talk you, to Dan. You. Yeah, it's, it's been great. You know, we've known each other for, my God, I think it's got to be a half a century. At least. So. I think I ran into you way back in 1975. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Tom. My pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah.